Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Herb Podcast, a place of information and inspiration for the home herbalist. I'm Bridget Doherty of the Solidago School of Herbalism, coming to you from a bridged island on the coast of Maine. In today's show, I'm talking about ways that we can have fun with herbs in the wintertime. Before we get started, I want you to know that I'm not a doctor, nor do I diagnose or treat people. What I've shared is based on my own experience and what I've learned from my mentors. Ultimately, I want you to be empowered in seeking and achieving your own version of optimum health. I want you to be inspired to connect and relate to the common plants that grow all around you. Together, let's make home herbalism be as common in the everyday household as cooking a healthy meal. Now, without further ado, let's have some fun and dig in. So here it is, the end of February. This is when I start getting really antsy. We just had a day that was in the low 50s and it felt like spring is really springing. Although come Friday, we're going to get seven to eight inches of snow. So I really start just really jonesing to be with the plants and to see plants growing. And I was outside in my garden just like looking for any signs of life and I did see some little motherwort leaves which are pretty much evergreen but not much else Uh, and so I wanted to talk about ways that we can play with herbs and explore herbalism and projects that we can do in the wintertime that don't necessarily involve going outside and actually being with the growing green world. Sometimes I really wonder even why I settled in the north where the winters are long and cold and the plants are underground. I guess it's just what I grew up with, so it is my comfort zone, although somewhat uncomfortable. Also, I think that my genetic makeup of being mostly Irish and Swedish descent makes the northern altitudes more comfortable to me. I know that any temperature over 75 degrees becomes quite uncomfortable for me. So I guess I'd rather go cold than hot. Maybe you're in the same boat, or maybe your seasons are different than mine. You know, maybe. The heat of the summer is when you spend your time inside with air conditioning and all your plants kind of dry up and singe. And the wintertime is when the plants are really active in your world. 
either way, there's usually a time and a space where the plants are taking a break outside. And so what we can do with our herbalism enjoyment is to have other fun projects other than being outside with the plants. And so that's what I want to focus on today. So I have some different topics, like we'll, we'll talk about meeting the plants in the winter, some things that we can do there, and then um, some ways that we can be social with each other and projects that we can do in groups or small groups or individually, and then how we can work in our own home apothecary, some herbal products and preparations that we can make easily with dried herbs that are fun to make in the wintertime. So let's dive in. So first I want to talk about how we can actually meet the plants in the winter. I just did a podcast recently about evergreen trees. And so that is one thing we can do is we can go outside and play with the trees get to know them, the evergreens especially, work with them, prepare medicines with them. So you can check out that episode. It was a few back um, on evergreen trees. And also we're coming into that time once the sap really starts running, which it has started to do here, and the buds start to swell then we can start working with inner barks of trees and the buds of trees. So unfortunately, I don't have the balm of Gilead or the poplar buds here where I live, but I know where a lot of people where that tree grows, they'll harvest those wintergreeny smelling buds that have uh, pain relieving properties to them and that are very resinous and sticky and they'll make uh, infused oils for soft pain relieving salves and massage oils with them. That's not something I wish I had experience with, but I don't. So I wish I did. There's also, you know, the classic willow bark um, or wild cherry barks where if you know the plants and you've probably studied them for at least a whole year so you can easily identify them this time of year where there's not a lot of you know you can't really see the leaves or the flowers or the fruits of the trees so you just have to really know the trees well but you can harvest the twigs or the branches the small branches from these trees and then you can um, strip them and take the inner cambium bark layer and make remedies with those. So that's one. And then there's the usnea lichen, which I also did a podcast episode on recently that you can uh, make remedies with that as well. So check out that episode if you haven't already. So there are some plants that we can still play with even though it's wintertime. Another fun thing you can do is you can go on, a, on plant identification walks in the winter and see how many plants you can identify just by their seed heads and by their old dead seed heads, which is what I like to do. I went walking just yesterday with my daughter and we found hypericum perforatum seed heads and goldenrod seed heads and mullein seed heads. Um, those are some really obvious evident ones that you could really look for and find. There are some books out there. There's at least one book 
um, I wish I could remember the name of it, but it basically is all about identifying plants in the wintertime and in their winter phases of just their kind of dead aerial tops. So you could look for books like that if that interests you at all. So that's a fun project to take on when you're going for walks is just to really, and that way you can actually, because I actually found a whole patch of hypericum uh, that I didn't even know existed. And granted, patches of hypericum, hypericum being St. John's wort or St. Joan's wort, um, it, they kind of move around. You know, they, they're a relatively short-lived perennial. So it's kind of nice when you find new patches and just to kind of tuck it in the back of my my brain so I can know maybe where I could harvest some flowers next year from some new patches. Then another fun thing that you can do when like actually thinking about the plants is you can start planning your garden for the spring. Fun to make plant lists like what herbs do you wish you had in your apothecary this winter that you didn't have or what herbs do you remember seeing in people's gardens that you re- last summer that you really want in your garden this summer? Maybe you've never had a garden before and you want to start a small garden. It's a really fun time to look through garden books and magazines and make notes and draw designs and even cut out pictures from magazines or catalogs and make collages or you know order seeds. You can even start some seeds coming up pretty soon here if you have a grow light or a greenhouse or you live in a warmer climate than I do. And there are um, some podcasts about a you know a year ago or that I did. Like you have to kind of search down through the beginning of my podcast where I talk about uh, growing herbs. So check out those if that's something that you're interested in. The best, I think I did one on the best herbs to grow. And in the spring, last spring, I think I did some podcasts that had bits about, you know, the process of gardening in the spring and the stages to take. So that's fun is to really start daydreaming about the gardens and what plants you want to grow. Or maybe you've never had a garden and what would you, what do you want to start with? What's just like even just a container garden. What what plants do you really want to focus on learning about and working with and getting to know this coming summer growing season? Now, there's also, I mean, wintertime is such a fun time to get together with a few friends and relate, uh, you know, about herbs with each other. So... There's lots of fun ways that you can do. One one really fun thing is you could actually start an herb group or club, so to speak, or a collective. So for a few years, we actually on the island had, it's kind of disbanded a little bit now. We've all gotten busy doing our own things. But for a while, we had what we called the Dandelion Collective. And we would have potlucks. It was a group of mm, maybe six or so ladies. And we would get together once a month. And we would have a potluck, which usually had a theme um, around an herb or a group of herbs. 
um, we would have a focus of study usually. So maybe we would study um, either one specific herb or we would have a topic like, you know, come and talk about your favorite herb or um, we would pick an herb of the month and we would all come and we would kind of study that herb or, you know, bring in herbal preparations that we have of that herb. And we would share the preparations with each other and share our, you know, what we had learned or what our personal experiences were with that plant and kind of go around in a circle and share. And that was really fun too. Sometimes when we get together, we'd, we'd do a project together. Like we would, uh, make a herbal bitters together, or we would uh, make a furry cocky seaweed seasoning blend together when we had our seaweed gathering. And then we, of course, we had a potluck that had, had a seaweed focus to it as well. We also had a winter spice night where we each came and talked about one of our favorite spices like clove or cinnamon or cardamom. And then we kind of had um, potluck dishes that we would bring that had some of those spices in them as well. So lots of lots of and endless and fun ideas that you could do, and it's just a really great way to inspire each other and to come together in community around and with the plants. And in the summertime, it's great. You can have little garden parties, or some months we would get together and we would go on a foraging walk together at a local, you know, nature trail, or we would go to someone's house and forage in their backyard for say, you know, roots in the fall, or we had a lot of fun, lots of fun. So that's, that's always a, something that you can kind of bring together in the winter time. Another thing you can do is just on your own, you could have your own, you know, herb of the week or herb of the month where you could really go deep into one plant and, you know, make a bunch of different preparations with it and, you know, make a tea with it and drink it regularly. So you really kind of get the feel for that one plant. Um, you could go out and try to find it in the winter time. Uh, you could do a bunch of study or research on it. You could write a poem about it. You could do a journal entry about it. So really, in you know, have your herbal ally projects for of a way of really deepening your understanding and knowledge of a plant through the winter. And if you needed inspiration, you could go through my podcast episodes. And use those as a guide or general inspiration because a lot of the episodes, you know, focus on one herb. So you could just pick whatever herb interests you and listen to the podcast and then run with it on your own as well. You could have an herbal potluck or uh, herbal themed dinner for your family. Or if you are in the mode of getting together with a few friends these days, then you could have a little herb theme potluck where you would have lots of fresh herbs um, that you could even buy from the grocery store. You know, there are still fresh herbs you can get at grocery stores even in the dead of the winter. Um, you could make pesto or chimichurri or an herbed bread with 
roasted garlic spread or an herbed butter. Um, have fresh herb bouquets on the table. And, you know, even though the fresh herbs aren't coming right from your garden, you can still have a lot of fresh herbs in your in your meal and in your evening. You could take a class or a course over the winter about herbs and herbalism or about the human body or in some other aspect of health. Uh, You could take Nourish Yourself, the online course that I offer. You could maybe meet with a local herbalist and, you know, pay them for an hour or two of time and just pick their brain on topics that really intrigue or interest you that you want to dive deeper into as well. You could also teach an herb class or herb course over the winter. If you have the time and you have the desire to share your knowledge, even if you feel like you aren't an expert or a master herbalist, which I don't even know. I mean, gosh, herbalism is such a huge, vast field. I don't think anyone could ever truly master it. Um, and that who would want to master it anyway? I love the the mystery of it, really. But you always, even if you know a little bit, you're always going to know more than someone who doesn't know even what you know. So you could just teach at the level that you're at, even if you wanted to teach like an herbal tea class with your local library or, you know, something just really simple and fun to like bring the community together around herbs and you know, you could either do it for free as volunteer or charge a little bit of money for your time and um, effort. Or you could do like a DIY how to make an herbal remedy class, like let's make an herbal salve together or something. You can always be making your nourishing herbal infusions throughout the winter. And that's a great way to really deepen your understanding of a few really nourishing herbs and Definitely check out my most recent podcast on the five nourishing herbs. And you could even just start there and just really dive deep into having um, an herbal practice, an herbal daily ritual of making a nourishing herbal infusion for yourself and drinking it throughout the day. And then you could even chart your progress. You could journal about it. You could you know, really dive deep into those specific herbs and really get to know all about them. And then come spring and summer, you could start um, harvesting them or growing them or really relating to them in the living stage as well. You could also, along that same lines, but a little bit different, you could do a personal adaptogen study. So you could Pick, you know, a handful of adaptogens, say um, astragalus, schizandra, eleuthero, and holy basil, maybe those four, and you could rotate through them. So you would maybe focus on uh, ingesting an infusion or a tea or a tincture of one of those adaptogens for either a whole week or a whole month and then moving on to the next one and doing that one maybe for a whole month 
um, or a couple weeks or however long you want to set your time frame. It really isn't as important or you could just kind of feel it out and see what works for you in the moment and really dive deep into each adaptogen and see um, how they can help to improve your health. You could do a focus on seaweed as well, which are also really easy to access in the wintertime. And they are usually dried seaweeds. And there's usually there's like three or four or maybe more seaweeds that you could really explore and get into that are easily accessed and um, see their health benefits and dive deep into the realm of seaweed and ha- figure out how you can incorporate them into your diet. You could have a seaweed potluck if you wanted with some friends. Everyone figure out one dish that they could put a little bit of seaweed into and then come together. You could have a blind tasting tea party where you and your friends got together. Maybe each friend could bring a tea that was like one herb or um, you could be the organizer of the party and you could have, say, five different herbs and that you brew up individually and somehow like secretly mark maybe under the jar that the tea is strained into or at the bottom of the teapot or however you do it, like label it. And then you could have the herbs in the jars laid out and then people could taste the tea and then they could try to figure out which herb it is that they're tasting. You could make it really easy or difficult, um, but it could be fun and they could maybe do something else that was themed with those with those plants as well. Like maybe you have the herbal tarot deck. And so you could, once everyone's drunk all the teas and then they've all, everyone's figured out which tea is which flavor, then you could then go through and do, um, read the herbal tarot for each of those herbs. And there's, there's actually a bunch of different herbal kind of divinatory oracle decks these days that you could work with. But there's also the herbal tarot deck too, whichever one you have or you have easy access to or your friends have that they could bring. That could be fun. Or you could kick it up a notch and after you do your blind tasting tea party, you could finish out your gathering or have a different gathering that was herbal cocktails. And you could get together with your friends and you could make herbal cocktails or you could make um, simple syrups that you could make cocktails with. So you could do like a rose simple syrup. A simple syrup is basically um, water and sugar, equal parts. So it's warm water, a cup of warm water to a cup of sugar and then you stir it together and melt the sugar into the water. And that's like what you would put in your iced coffee at your local coffee shop. Or it's also used in cocktails in general. But instead of just plain water, you can make a strong tea. 
strong flavored tea, like infuse it for a long time. So it has a really strong flavor to it and then add it, add the honey and the, or you could add honey or sugar in equal parts. And then you could use that in cocktails. You could do like a rose margarita, which is really actually delicious. And it would be a rose simple syrup. So really nice, strong rose bud tea that's combined with sugar. And then you would add that to some tequila, some white tequila, and some lime juice. And that's pretty tasty. So you could start there and options are endless, really. Or you could have a bitter bar where you would get some fun bitter ingredients, some dandelion root, some orange peel, some fennel seed, rose hips, you know, some berries, some roots, and some citrus fruits. And you'd have your friends come over, get some 100 proof vodka, and then make some, um, have everyone, you know, bring their own jar, and then you can all make different herbal bitters together, which is basically combining um, there is a podcast episode about bitters, so check that out if you want to do this, but you basically want something bitter and something a little sour and maybe something a little sweet and something aromatic all combined in there. You could do uh, mold drinks, mold ciders, mold wines at your herbal cocktail party. And then one of my ultimate favorite herbal gathering themes is an herbal spa, herbal spa day or uh, herbal product, spa product making bar session with your friends. So you could do, and this I need to do a podcast episode about, this would be super fun. It's one of my favorite things to do with herbs where you would make like a face, um, a face exfoliant with some herbs like say some lavender flowers and some oats and maybe some sort of poppy seed and you could do rose petals and put them all in a blender and then just um, add a little bit to a little bit of water and then just scrub it on your face as an exfoliant. Then you would do an herbal steam. So you would put some, you know, some mint or whatever scent that you like of herb in a pot of boiling water to remove it from the heat and steam your face to open your pores and then you'd put a mask on so I had like um like a French green clay powder with honey and maybe some powdered rose petals and put that on your face and then let it dry and then wipe it off and you can wipe it off with like a hot um, washcloth that's maybe been soaked in green tea as a nice kind of astringent facial face cloth wa- wash. And then, so you've exfoliated, you've steamed, you've masked, and then you can tone. So you could use like a rose water toner. Um, and then you could do like a quick moisturizer with, with some jojoba oil. Um, And so that or some shea butter or coconut oil or whatever you like to moisturize with. And that makes like a really fun spa day. And then what you take when you're done with your face steam, you just put it on the floor. Like I like to kind of do it in a dish basin, 
that you would like wash dishes in or something. And then you just put it on the floor and then you turn your face steam into a foot soak. And you could even make a foot scrub, you know, with the face scrub that you had, just add some salt to it as well. And then and maybe a little oil and then scrub your feet with it, too, while after your feet have soaked and then put them back in the soak. And oh, it just feels really good. It's really fun to do with a couple friends. So options are endless for herbal herbal social gatherings, but those are some really fun ideas. So I also have um, some really fun ideas of remedies that you can make that, that, that you can easily make with dried plant material. You don't need to go out and harvest fresh plant material to make the remedies. And I have about Oh, seven or eight ideas that I'm going to share with you. But first, I'd like to uh, give a shout out to my sponsors, the sponsors of the Healthy Herb Podcast. And thanks to them, they, this podcast is free to you. But I still am paid a small amount so that my time is reimbursed, reimbursed to some degree. Um, which is helpful because, you know, time is precious and I do put a lot of time into these podcasts. Absolutely. So the first sponsor is NordVPN. What's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for. To give you peace of mind while you are online. And with all of the threats that you face today on the internet, it is more important than ever to be sure that you have the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN surface, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. And they have plans that start at under $4 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe, which is B-L-E-A-V, or use the code believe, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan, plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. And also we have Way, pronounced Way but spelled O-U-A-I. Quench thirsty skin and leave it feeling satin smooth with Way Melrose Place Body Cream. Fast absorbing to nourish your skin when you need it most. It provides hydration that lasts and prevents dryness. Turn your shower into an escape with the gentle skin softening Way Melrose Place Body Cleanser, which balances your skin without stripping it or leaving unwanted residue. It gently cleanses and nourishes at the same time with a luxurious lather. Experience the new way Melrose Body Cream and Body Cleanser. Your body, your way. Go to theouai.com 
and use code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get 15% off your entire purchase. That's 15% off your entire order at T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com, code B-L-E-A-V. And now, back to the pod. So let's talk about making remedies at home in the wintertime. I usually am a big proponent of making remedies with fresh herbs, or at least very freshly dried herbs in the case of infused oils. But there's still a lot that we can do with some dried herbs or just hanging out in our home apothecary with remedies that we made in the summer. I find that I am so busy in the summer gardening, harvesting, drying, making remedies with plants that sometimes I don't really have the time or the energy or the effort to actually play with the remedies that I've made or make use of them. And they're just kind of there. So winter is a fun time to really get into what you've made and have fun with them. So the first thing you could do is go through your summer-made remedies and strain them, taste test them, make fun labels for them, put them in pretty bottles. If you have extra, give them away as gifts or, you know, see if anyone is in need of some remedies that you have made. Another fun uh, thing you can do is make some tea blends either with herbs that you dried, that you grew and dried yourself, or that you just kind of have hanging around in your stash of herbs that you haven't gotten around to using and should be used up. Or, you know, maybe you want to think of dream up a couple fun, tasty herb blends and then go to your local herb shop and buy small amounts of dried herbs and make up a couple fun herb blends for you and your friends and family. I generally, you know, and the more that I use herbs as simples, I generally really prefer them just as simples, which means one herb at a time. Usually when I make tea for myself, I might just make you know, tea with one dried herb and really savor that plant. But it can be fun to play around with tea blends, just like it's fun to uh, cook a meal with a bunch of different veggies or spices added into it for flavor and for fun. Or if you, you know, want to attempt um, making a medicinal blend that kind of comes at a, um, a problem from a few different angles with different herbs, that's always fun too. So the tea blends are great gifts for friends. I like to keep it to three herbs at the most so that it just doesn't get too overwhelmed and muddled. You can still kind of pick and taste those three herbs out of your formula. It doesn't get too overwhelming and you're still getting enough of each herb to make a difference in your body after drinking, you know, a few cupfuls. It's fun. You could like uh, taste test each herb individually first and then figure out how to combine them. You can make individual teas of individual herbs and then you could combine the teas um, and see what flavors you like and then decide how you're going to combine the dried herbs from that experiment. 
I also really like, um, you know, making chai blends, and that's really fun to combine different chai spice herbs, which we went through a bunch in the podcast um, this winter, starting in November, I think we started. So we were talking about cloves and ginger and cardamom and cinnamon, and um, those are kind of some of the core herbs that go either in chai spice blends or, you know, you're baking pumpkin spice blends. And then you could add, you know, nutmeg if it's a pumpkin spice baking blend, or you could add um, fennel and uh, cloves and what's the other one? Oh, anise, um, star anise or something if it's like a chai spice blend. So you can play around with it. There's no right or wrong, really. Another really fun thing to make would be syrups or tinctures with dried roots and berries. So for syrups, you know, you want to basically make a strong decoction of either roots or dried berries or roots and simmer, simmer, simmer down until it's a really kind of strong brew. And then you basically add honey equal amount of honey to it. So it's basically like making a simple syrup, like I talked about when we were talking about the cocktails. You could also make tinctures with dried roots or dried berries that you either purchase or you've already had that you dried from the summer. Because, you know, those tough plant materials, they don't change a whole lot when they dry. They might get, they get a little bit more concentrated in flavor and they they definitely lose some of their complexity when they are dried, but overall, and seeds as well. So berries, seeds, and roots, um, these hard plant materials versus the lighter area leaves and flowers can kind of really break down a lot faster as they dry, especially if they have a lot of volatile oils in them. Then those can really dissipate in the drying process for some herbs more than others. So when you tincture, just as a note, with your dried roots and berries and seeds, you really only want to fill your jar with the plant material about mm, one-third, one-quarter to one-third full. You don't want to fill it, definitely don't want to fill it more than halfway full. Sometimes I'll go all the way half but because it, all of that plant material is going to reabsorb a lot of that moisture and it's going to grow and expand to its original size. And if you've seen things dry, um, as it dries, they usually shrink quite a bit because they're losing all that water as they dry, obviously. So that's just something to be aware of. If you put too much of a dry plant material in your jar, it could absorb, absorb, and grow and grow, and then potentially break your jar if it, if there's too much in it. So just be wary of that and keep an eye on it. Um, you can make your digestive bitters, as we talked about. You could either do it in a group party or just on your own, your bitter blends. Ooh, dream pillows. Now that's a fun one that you have to use dried plant material. So the classic is mugwort, otherwise known as cronewort, artemisia vulgaris. You really want that plant to have scent 
to it when it's dried. And again, it has volatile oils. So as it dries, a lot of those oils could dissipate. So you want to get a good quality if it's one that you haven't harvested yourself. Um, because it's really that when we are working with the dream pillows, it's the scent of the plants that we're really going for. It's basically like a potpourri sachet that we're working with. So, you know, you make a little pocket out of fabric, a square, two squares sewn together with a little hole in the middle. It doesn't have to be like a whole pillow worth of herb, right? It's just like a little, oh, maybe six inch by six inch square at the, at the most. And you can make it as beautiful or as simple as you want. And you'd fill it with herbs. So you could do mugwort, um, hops is another classic one, which also has quite a strong scent to it and is very sudorific and just calming and sed- sedating. Think beer. Um, and then there is uh, sage. You could do common garden sage, which is also really easy to find and has a nice, really nice scent to it. Um, or lavender. Lavender blossoms are really easy to find also in the winter in bulk. Um, and if you get a good quality that has a really nice scent to it. So it could be any one or a combination of those herbs and or other herbs too, but those are kind of your classic ones. And then you could fill your little fabric sachet and then hand, hand sew it closed. And then you can tuck it into your pillowcase at night and sleep with it. So you can, as your head rolls on the pillow and on the sachet, it will kind of break up the plant material and release the scent of the herbs. These also make really great gifts. I will say my experience with the dream pillows made with mugwort or cronewort. I made one, I think it was only cronewort that I put in it, of course, because, you know, I like simples. And, uh, oh, I, I, well, it was also when I had recently had my daughter, it was in the first year, I think, of having her. So granted, I wasn't necessarily getting a lot of sleep anyway. And I also was having stress dreams about being a mother. And, you know, my daughter would be somewhere where she needed me, but I couldn't reach her. I couldn't get to her. Oh, worst dreams ever. But the mug with the crone war, I was just made it, whoo, they just made it way, way, way more intense. And I just, you know, I was like, okay, (laughs) I cannot sleep with this because I need my sleep and I cannot handle these dreams way too intense. So, you know, you can work with it in a way maybe where you um, can ask for specific dreams. Um, but just know that I've, you know, there's a lot of, there's a couple different theories, I think, on why the crone wart works for dreaming. And I did do an episode, a podcast episode, uh, I think this fall about crone wart, mugwort, artemisia. And that was a really fun episode. So check that out if you haven't heard it yet. But I think it is like one of the ideas that I've heard of why it really helps us to really like remember and dream vividly is that it's that scent of the mugwort kind of is is slightly agitating. 
And so it keeps us from falling into a deep sleep and keeps us a little bit more conscious, like even when we are sleeping and dreaming. So it makes everything more vivid and more able to be remembered and aware. But if you are already having a hard time sleeping and you're looking for your dream pillow to help you get a deeper sleep, don't put mugwort in it, I guess is what my point is. Maybe go more with the hops or the lavender, which are more sedating. So that's fun. Dream pillows, super fun project. You could do it with friends. I actually, if you're looking for a class to teach, I did teach a class once about um, make, make your own dream pillow. Super fun. Fun to bring people together. You can sew together. You can play with herbs together. You can talk about dreaming together. You could even uh, have a couple of dream symbology, symbolism books with you that you could kind of go through and talk about. How fun would that be? What a fun gathering. Another fun herbal preparation you can make in the wintertime is incense, which you would make with dried powdered herbs something that smells good. You could do the you could do the Artemisia vulgaris, the mugwort or lavender, rose, um, cedar, pine, spruce. Uh, you could kind of whatever you have and that has a scent to it that you think would smell really good as it's burning. It would have a nice smoke smell. And then you can take those dried herbs and you can rub them with um either evergreen tree sap, like pine sap or balsam fir sap, and um, so that you can kind of make a little ball or a cone shape out of it. You could also take your powdered herbs and combine them with either an infused or a plain oil, uh, just a really small amount so that you create a, a ball or a, a bolus and so you, you take your powder and you just put a tiny bit of oil in there, but it would kind of help as a binder. And then you let it dry in a cone shape for a day or a week or however long it takes to dry. And then you can light that and burn it. That's a really easy way to make incense. And by putting that evergreen sap or pine pitch in there, it really helps to make it sticky and give it a really nice scent as well. Another fun herbal preparation idea that you could work with in the wintertime or make in the wintertime is an herbal talisman that you would carry with you. So it could be a little tiny pouch um, that could be made of fabric or muslin, um, even cheesecloth or whatever you have. Maybe you already have a little pouch and you could put a, maybe a special crystal in it and you could put you know some special dried herb or root that you have that you have harvested from last summer that you have a connection with that you enhance with um, you know your own intention or spiritual viewpoint or symbology that you that it gives to you a lot of times people will you know herbs that they see that have are protective so like for example maybe yarrow a lot of people see yarrow as being really protective um 
really, when you get into the folklore of a lot of these herbs, so many herbs um, were seen as protective because they all are, they are, they're like so protective of our health. Um, but they can also, you know, they would you know, be hung over doorways in medieval times or hung over cribs or um, planted outside of houses just as symbols of protection. So you could carry it around with you if you wanted to feel a little extra herbal love and protection. In a, You could either put it in a pocket or wear it around your neck or tuck it into your bra or what have you, tie it onto your purse, whatever. Um, you could also do like a natural scent therapy sachet that you could carry with you. So if you tend to get really stressed or anxious or have anxiety and there's a scent that calms you, like lavender could be a classic one. A lot of people, it calms them. You could take your um, lavender, dried lavender flowers and fill a little sachet, like similar, similar to the dream pillow idea or the talisman. It could just be a small little potpourri bag or what have you, something that you could carry with you. And then if you're feeling stressed or if you're on the subway or in an airplane or I don't know, I guess you could even just stick it in your mask if you're wearing a mask around or what have you, but just a little fabric sachet that you can rub in your hands to kind of break up the plant material and then give it a nice big whiff, a nice big s smell. And it can really just help to calm and soothe the nerves or to really center you, ground you. You could do white sage or, I don't know, whatever you're drawn to or attracted to. And you could decorate it or, um, you know, paint it or, you know, Im imbue it with some sort of spiritual energy or creative force or symbolism that will really help enhance its action for you. Another herbal bag of sachet that you could make of sorts would be a bath bag. So uh, like a bath salt herb bag. So sometimes it's nice to like, if you like to take baths, but then if you throw a bunch of herbs and salt into your bath water it's really pretty but then you get out of the bath and they're kind of stuck all over you or you drain the bathtub and it gets clogged because it gets like all the lavender flowers are all like stuck in your drain pipe so what you can do is you can take a cheesecloth and you know tie it into a into a bag um or you know cut a cheat a square of cheesecloth and double or triple triple it up so it doesn't have super big holes and then put some salt in the middle of the square and put some lavender flowers and rose petals and whatever mint or whatever you're drawn to mugwort what I have chamomile is another nice one and put it all in your and then in the square of the cheesecloth and then fold up the corners of the cheesecloth and tie it with uh, twine. So you have a, a nice round, you know, fistful of herb and salt. And, and you can even do oats. Oats are really good for bath water, very softening and soothing to the skin. And then you would take that and you would tie it under where, you know, before you 
under the faucet of the bathtub so that the water pours through it. The hot water will pour through that and over that bath bag as it fills, and it will probably like melt um, some of the salt into the water, and it will kind of act as like a big tea bag for your bath. And then once your bath is full, you can still take that bag and let it sit in your bath, but at least everything's combined. So it's like you're sitting in a big tea, (laughs) in a big teacup of a bathtub. And you can even use that bag as a scrub for your body as like a washcloth to kind of scrub all over your skin and body. So that's a fun herbal preparation. So many fun ideas, right? Who knew winter herbalism could be so much fun? Okay, I have one last idea for you for this for this pod today. And we're talking herbal spice blends, cooking blends, herbal salts, herbal sugars, if you're into baking. The salts and the sugars um, are maybe best done with fresh herbs, which you could actually get some fresh herbs from the grocery store if you wanted. And you would like chop up the fresh herb and kind of lay it out on a tray with the salt to dr- and then let the herbs dry. And then the salt will kind of absorb those scents and the volatile oils. And then you can kind of crush them all together as well once the, you know, because the salt's going to draw the moisture right out of those herbs. But also flavor the salt while it does it. But you could also just take a bunch of herb and powder it up and then add it to salt. And you you could have a large ratio of herb to salt if you wanted, and then just use that on your meals um, or in cooking. Sky's the limit with herbs and types of salts and types of herbs and ratios or recipes or single herbs or multiple herbs, whatever, what have you. Um, And same concept with the sugar. Or herbal spice blends that you can give away as gifts. Um, You could do, you know, pumpkin spice kind of baking blends, or you could do pizza seasoning, um, like Italian herb seasoning. You could do herb de Provence, seasonings. You could even like, if you really like to cook, I mean, this could be like a whole fun winter project where you research different herbal blends or spice culinary blends of herbs and spices from around the world. And you could have, you know, like different blends from different countries and you could have like a whole theme of blends and spices and then you could give them away as gifts like around the world and spices kind of or around the world and cooking themes or you could just keep them for yourself or again host herbal parties with them herbal dinners but or it could just be like a really fun um herbal study so there's a couple actually books that um if you want to learn more just kind of about the spices there's actually a lot of books, but a couple, well, there's the Healing Spices book by Agarwal, which is a really beautiful book that goes into a lot of detail. 
And then a kind of a fun book that's just a really kind of basic book, but it's all about herbs and a lot about spices, a little bit of information in it. So it's just a really pretty book by Padma Lakshmi that's, I think, called Spices or something like that. And then there's um, Cami McBride has the Herbal Kitchen book, which has a whole bunch of ideas of, you know, spice blends and herb blends and uh, herbal oils and um, vinegars and whatnot. And then Bevan Clare has the Spice Apothecary book, which is a really sweet book that has a lot of fun information and some really fun blends in it as well. So there's those. Holly Bella Bueno uh, also has some fun. I'm not looking at her book right now. It's not in the stack of books that I'm staring at, but you could look her up and she has um, a couple of fun kitchen herb books as well to check out. So I am declaring the month of March the month of nourishment because, you know, we're coming out of the winter. We're heading into spring. We're ready to really nourish. I mean, aren't we always ready to nourish ourselves? Yes. But the holiday craziness is over. You know, March is like, let's get ready for the the buildup of spring and heading into summer. And let's really focus on different ways that we can really nourish ourselves. And I like to think of nourishment, and I've been taught that nourishment is the base of health. And so you can picture health sitting on the base of nourishment. And nourishment is a stool that is being held up by three legs. So the three legs of nourishment are nutrition, which, you know, really well-cooked vegetables and food, whole grains, whole food, really well-cooked, easy to digest, and of course, our nourishing herbal infusions is the first stool, is the first leg. The next leg is compassionate listening, both listening to others and having people that listen to you, to really listen. It's a gift. It's an honor, um, both to listen to people, but also to be heard and to be seen is really important for our nourishment. And the third leg is a simple ritual or ceremony, a daily act, a daily repetitive ritual that you can do to tend to your spirit and your soul and your health. And so in so doing these three legs, the one that nourishes the body, the mind, and the spirit from which the health of our wholeness sits upon is the stool of nourishment. And in the Nourish Yourself course that I offer, I really seek to support each of those legs of nourishment. The nutrition comes directly from the nourishing infusions. The compassionate listening 
comes from the live classes that that we have and also from one-on-one time with me. I'm here to listen and to see you and to answer any questions that you might have that I'm able to. And then the simple ritual is actually the act, that ritual of self-care, of taking the time, even though it's not a lot of time, the five minutes it takes to make the infusion, to strain the infusion, and to drink it, and then knowing that you're really going that extra mile to really provide yourself with deep, deep nutrition. So because I've declared March the month of nourishment, that's actually when I'm going to start. I'm going to have two, maybe three live classes for the Nourish Yourself. So there's still time to get in. I was going to do it this week, but then it was school break and we're going to be away. It's gotten a little crazy. So the beginning of March, first Thursday in March, March 3rd, we're going to have our first live class of Nourish Yourself. I'd love for you to join us. Check out my website, Soledago Herb School, um, online course, and come join us and really like help yourself really find deep nourishment through the herbs and the nourishing herbal infusions. And the course, off, we also get into seaweeds, we also get into adaptogens and immune soups, all really deeply nourishing things. So come join us. Check it out on the website. So you can find me there, or you can also find me on Instagram. And uh, in the next few weeks, I want to do another um, answer, answering your questions on the podcast. So if you have topics that you want me to talk about or a burning question that you are interested in what my answer or my take on it might be, shoot me an email, uh, soledagoherbschool at gmail, or shoot me a direct message on Instagram, soledagoherbschool, um, or email me. You can find You can find an email contact form on my website if that's easier for you. And let me know what your questions are or what you want to hear on future podcasts, what you want me to talk about. If you have enjoyed this pod or previous pods, I would love for you to rate and review this, especially if you're listening listening on um, iTunes or Apple Podcasts. You can connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, my website, through email, all with the tag Solidago Herb School. Uh, you can also sign up for an informational and inspirational newsletter on my website, which I do not send out a lot lately, but I want to send out more in the future. So sign up for that so you don't miss anything. And... Thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you um, being out there and continuing to make herbal medicine, people's medicine, and spreading the love of the herbs. I'm Bridget Doherty. Until next week, be well, let intuition guide you, and have fun with herbs.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.